take the first step. Just go. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be ugly. You might fail, but understand that failure is nothing more than learning. Just, just go. Start. Because as you just said, right, you started in your 30s. I started much later. Like, take that first step. Just do it. And just understand as you take that first step, don't have any expectation of the outcome, right? I'm not starting a million-dollar business. I'm not, I'm not doing all of that. I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to five people and I'm going to say, hey, if I created this product, are you willing to buy it today? Or if I did this, are you willing to take action? With no limitations, what does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? The world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler and adventurer, Bryce Robertson and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where you learn to work less, make more, and live free. And today we have a very special guest, Rocky Lelvani of Profit Comes First. And Rocky helps small business owners put profit first in their business. And as Rocky says, most people follow the equation of sales minus expenses equals profit which means profit is last. It's something you are told when your accountant finishes your taxes and hands you a K-1. Most people usually ask, where is that money on the profit line? And the accountant laughs. The new paradigm is changing the equation to sales minus profit equals expenses. By paying yourself first and planning for profit, the system helps you focus on cutting expenses, the entire process becomes automated, and the revenue flows to the appropriate accounts to ensure you have the funds for payroll, taxes, expenses, and profit. Once you have profit, you have fuel to live the dream life you envisioned when you started your business. So Rocky, um, I'm going to dial it back a couple of notches here. Uh, you're known for your philosophy of know your purpose, have the right mindsets, and bring harmony to your health, wealth, time, relationships, and spirituality. And that's a, that's a really close topic to home because that's very close to our philosophy here at Freedom Hack Radio. Do you want to dig into that and tell me what that means to you? And um, yeah, go for it, mate. Sure. So like you, Bryce, I'm an immigrant to the United States. I came uh, a lot younger than I think you did. I was uh, two when I came to the United States. My parents were starting over in life for the second time. And I kind of got to watch that process happen when they would get together with their friends and they would say, how do we build the American dream? And so just through those conversations, I learned a lot. And very quickly, they moved up the economic ladder. So we started off on the very wrong side of town. Um, they only had a couple bucks when they came here. And so they had to literally save and, and scrimp and, and do things right so that they could build up uh, wealth over time. And so I, I watched them do that and saw how they achieved success, which really kind of propelled me forward faster. The problem was a lot of that I think was financially driven. So even as a kid, I always had this idea, I'm going to be a millionaire. I wanted to make a million dollars or have a million dollars. And I spent a good part of my life chasing that dream. And I achieved that goal. But then I realized I was missing out on so much. My health wasn't the best. I had this money, but yet there was no internal happiness, right? It, it was like you're on this, this hamster wheel of constantly chasing more. And so I was like, what's going on? How is it that I can be wealthy and yet I'm missing out on so much? And so that kind of started a real deep dive of introspection into my life to say, 
what is it that I really want? What's important to me? And as part of that journey, I got my health in order. So I lost 50 pounds. I'm in, I'm in now I'm 54. I'm in the best shape of my life. Um, I did, I started doing a better job of building relationships and getting out of my shell and learning how to connect with people. I'm, I'm much more of an introvert. So that, that is something that I had to overcome in myself. Um, the other thing is I grew up with a very different religious belief system than what I have now. And part of that was simply because of the language barriers. We're from India. And so it was it was difficult to, you can't understand a religion if you can't understand the language. We grew up in America and our parents were like, hey, you're, you're, you're in America, learn English. And so I think it, I had that missing spiritual piece in my life. And so it was figuring out what does that really mean for me? What do I believe and how do I live in congruence with it? And then the big thing, which I did really well throughout my life was manage my time. So I always, to me, time was always a very big, I I don't know what the right word is. Maybe it just, it was very important to me that I didn't get on this 60 hour a week work schedule. I was like, I'm not going to work 50% more to make 20% more money. That's just absurd. So I always stayed away from that. So the cool thing is as my kids was growing up, I was able to go to all their sporting events, all their school events, volunteer and do all of that. So that was the part of my life I probably did best was, was managing the time. But as I got older, I, I just, I went through a lot of deep inner work to say, what is it that I truly want and how do I build happiness? And that's kind of where that all came from is just, just months and years of self-introspection. Because money's just part of it, right? Like that was my original goal too. It's like, oh, we're going to be financially free and make millions. And then like, like that's just a part of it. There's, it's like, once you get there, it's like, what's next? <laughs> and that, and that's what most people focus on. That's the thing that, you know, so many people are putting their energy into. And um, so, yeah, that's fantastic. So with your digging in a little bit deeper, like what's your reason why? Like, so why are you so driven to expand in all of these areas? And as you have gone through your path, looking for what it is that's most important to you, what drives you to create freedom in your life and what drives you to help others? And what's your core, like reason why? So I I think a couple of things. Number one, as we talked about, I grew I always knew I was going to be wealthy. And one of the things that I learned growing up and watching within our family was if you spoiled your kids, it would not turn out well for their generation. So usually the way it works, especially with immigrants, is the first generation comes here, they work really hard. They propel the second generation and the second generation really gets to enjoy the fruits of their labor, which would be me. What happens to the third generation is they get horribly spoiled. And so they inherit all this money or they have all this money, but their lives are a disaster. So one part of it was making sure that my kids didn't follow that paradigm. So I wanted to make sure that if I'm going to leave wealth or have wealth for them, that they needed to respect the money and be willing to work for it. And that's a difficult thing to do. When, when kids grow up wealthy, there's no drive for them, right? Everything just gets handed to them. So that's one part of it. I think the second part of it is from a societal standpoint. I, I'm, not a big, I, I'm not a big believer in big government. And I'm not a believer in government solving all our problems because I think more often than not, they don't really solve them. I mean, if you think about school, we spend our whole lives going to school to make money, but they never teach us money, right? They don't teach us how to make money. So I think if I could help educate people and teach them to be stronger themselves, and if they could build wealth, which is the one thing we're never taught how to really build wealth, they wouldn't expect society to do for them. They'd be more willing to do for society. And imagine a society where people are not like, I want, but instead saying, how do I serve and how do I give? So if I can help society becomes stronger, I think it makes a better world for me. It makes a better world for my kids. And we all get to benefit. It's it's much more of an abundant way of living, I think. 
That's awesome. I love that philosophy. That's great. And uh, I, I too, I totally agree that, you know, the system's not going to take care of us. Like it's up to us to take care of our own destiny. If we're relying on the system to take care of us, I mean, look at what's happening in the economy right now. Like the, the system clearly is not taking care of us. They might be paying out, you know, a $1,200 check here or there, but underlying at the bottom of it all, like we weren't taught at school how to take care of finances. We weren't taught how to have like good relationships or how to deepen our spirituality and be the calm eye of the storm when when craziness is going on all around us and uh so i i think this is like so relevant and i think the message that you're sharing here is like super relevant and uh i want to i want to dig pretty deep into one of your business philosophies of financial success and your financial success formula of paying ourselves first. Do you want to dig into that? Tell us what it is, how it works, and why that's beneficial for business owners? Sure. So everyone knows the standard equation that we're taught in school, right? And I, I went through, I have a Bachelor of Science in Economics. I have my MBA. The thing is, as we talked about, they never taught us how to build wealth. And the formula that everyone teaches in all of these courses is sales minus expenses equals profit, which means at the end of the day, profit comes last. Well, if you're going to leave something to last, then you're leaving the crumbs at the end. And if you look at most small businesses in the United States, most of them are, they're living basically check to check, which means if cash flow doesn't come in, they're going to crumble rather quickly. And depending on the business, you know, for some people, two weeks, a month, but even if it's only two or three months, that's still a razor thin margin. And it doesn't matter how big you are. There are companies that have hundred million of dollars in sales and they're still on those margins. I mean, you look at the big companies like Uber, Uber still hasn't shown a profit. Like they say profit comes last. Well, to me, that seems absurd. And my big aha came when I read Profit First from Mike Michalowicz. I mean, I was always in this financial space. But when I learned that business owners were this bad with their finances, I was like, these are my people. These are the people I can help and make the greatest impact on. Because that, that gives a, a much greater impact. So Mike talked about changing the formula to sales minus profit equals expenses. And what that basically means is you take profit first. In taking profit first, we become much more focused on expenses and cutting expenses. Too often you'll hear business owners go, oh, it's a tax write-off. Oh, it's a business expense. It's, it's treated without even a second thought. And that's why I think business expenses get too high. When you start saying, hey, I really don't have as much money to spend as I think I do, you start to become much more creative and you naturally are better and more thrifty at saving. So it, it, just a simple example, if you make $1,000 in revenue today, well, we owe the government a certain part of that. And many business owners forget until April 15th when they have to pay that bill and then they freak out. How am I going to pay that? Well, if it's not your money to spend to begin with, why not separate it and segregate it? And a lot of business owners cut their own pay in order to invest back in the business. But if this is your business, don't you deserve to get rewarded? Shouldn't you be paid? And who who's going to pay you first if not yourself? So pay yourself first. Take that money out of your business. Then you know what your true expenses are, and then you can handle those more appropriately. And then there's another underlying principle that comes with that as well. And it's called Parkinson's law. Have you ever heard of Parkinson's law? I have, but let's uh, let our freedom hackers know. <laughs> so Parkinson's law basically says that you will use up the amount of resources that are given to you. So let's say, think back to school, right? You had an essay to write in school. If the teacher gives you three weeks to write the essay, you take three weeks to write the essay, which isn't really true. You waste two weeks and six days and the last night or the last two nights, you crunch to get it done. But at the same point, if the teacher gave you that same essay today and said, do it tomorrow, you'd get it done tomorrow. Same thing happens in business. You know, a lot of times when, when I'm dealing with other business people, especially salespeople, and they're like, 
well, how much do you have to spend on, on this project? Well, whatever you tell them you're going to spend, they're going to spend, right? So if you give them $10,000 to create something, they'll spend 10000 But if you say to them, hey, I've only got $1,000 to spend, we'll find a creative way to get it done for $1,000. And so that's a big part of the principle behind Profit First. When you have less in your bank account to spend, because most business owners just look at their bank balance. Can I spend it, not spend it? They forget the taxes. They forget payroll. They forget you know some of the other big costs. But when you see smaller, you get more creative. And when you get more creative, you figure out ways to do things for less, especially in real estate, right? You're, you're doing a renovation on a property and you've got a $100,000 budget, you'll spend a hundred grand. All of a sudden you've got an 80 grand budget, you'll find a way to get that project done for 80 grand. Absolutely. Because in real estate investing, we have to calculate what our profits are going to be. And then we figure out, okay, does this deal going to work? Yes, it's going to work if I use this much for the investment, for the capital expenditures or improvements. And this is my budget. And like now I have to make it work. Um, and if it doesn't pencil out, we don't do the deal. And so you're saying business owners should be looking at this in the same way. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think even for real estate people, you know, let's let's just look at a rental, for example, and I'll make it simple. Um, we have a rental. It's a thousand dollars a month. We pencil out a certain percentage for vacancy, right? Five percent, maybe for vacancy. Maybe we have five percent for repairs and maybe we have five percent for long term capital improvements, right? Because we have to replace the roof. We have to, you know, do a heating system, but we're not replacing a roof for 30 years. Imagine if every time our rent came in, we actually took a portion aside and said, hey, we're going to put a, a portion aside for vacancy, and we're going to put a portion aside for repairs, and we're going to put a portion aside for long-term capital improvements. Mm -hmm. Then when we had a vacancy, instead of freaking out and going, oh my God, I got to get a tenant. I don't have, how am I going to pay the bills this month? You go to your vacancy account and go, oh, look, I can, I can pull this month's rent out of the vacancy account. I can breathe. I don't have to pick a bad tenant that I might not otherwise want because I'm in a cash flow crunch. And so when we when we put the money aside and we just let it flow where it should, that cash flow, right? Actually letting the cash flow where it should, it creates so much peace for us to be able to sleep and deal with our businesses and and people just feel calmer in those situations. And it's the whole point we're doing it in the first place too, yeah? I mean, we're not doing it, um, I mean, some of us are doing it for fun as well, of course, yeah? But the bottom line is we're doing it to create the financial success that we want so that we can go spend the rest of the time living the freedom lifestyle that we want to live. And uh, one of the things uh, that you want to, I want to dig a bit deeper on this one. You were talking about sales minus profit equals expenses. Um, you know, a lot of business and a lot of business owners talk about increasing revenues and increasing income. But an interesting thing about that and something a lot of new business owners don't think about is that cutting expenses can be one of the quickest and easiest ways to make money. Because if you drop $1,000 of expenses from your monthly budget, Budget, you're gaining a thousand dollars on your bottom line but if you earn an extra thousand dollars in revenue or income you have to pay taxes on that income and so you're probably only going to end up with like 60 or 70 percent of that um, so it's much easier to cut expenses and, and with your formula you're looking at what the profit is first and then looking at what's left over with the expenses and then like figuring it out right Absolutely. So if you think about it, though, even if you bring in $1,000 in revenue, there are costs associated with that $1,000. So yes, there are taxes, there's time, you have to pay somebody to do the work. And then depending on the type of business, there's all the materials and so forth. If you've only got a 5% profit margin, and you sell $1,000, you, you're only gaining $50 in your pocket. But as you said, if you cut $1,000 from your expenses, you're gaining 20X that $50 in your pocket. And so that is why this is so important is to, to actually keep your expenses in line. And that's what we talked about at the beginning. Everyone's like, oh, it's a business expense. Oh, it's a tax deduction. Like who in the world is going to spend $100 so that they can save $25 on their taxes. I mean, that's a loss of $75. That's nuts. If you don't need to spend on your business, don't. 
And I, I think it's really a major mindset shift for people. There are so many, it's, it's funny because I see a lot of people in the e-commerce and like creating courses and doing all of this. And they're like, I had a seven figure launch. Like how much did it cost you? Seven figures and $1. I'm like, seriously, seven figure launch. And there's no actual money coming into your pocket. You're running around like crazy. Everyone thinks you're doing well. But at the end of the day, there's no money for you to be free. I, I'm glad that you just brought that up because that was going to be my next question or my next sort of thing to start you on, on talking about because I noticed a lot of business owners in the beginning, um, they have all of these expenses up front. They get like the most awesome logo and the most amazing merchandise and they do this big launch and they haven't even tested their product yet. They haven't even found out if the market actually wants what they want and they go and put a whole bunch of money up, get like the awesome website with all of the bells and whistles and then they launch their product and crickets like nothing happens and uh you really can just like a lot of really successful businesses uh that i've seen have tested the product in a really cheap method and done a lot of uh, analysis and testing first before they're like going all in on expenses do you want to talk a little bit more about that yeah i think especially in the startup world if you're just beginning Testing your idea first is probably the most important thing. We always think that our ideas are the best, and they probably are to us. <laughs> but <laughs> the question is, is, does the world? And the problem is you go to your friends, and your friends all support you. Your mother supports you. But are people willing to give you their hard-earned cash for your business idea? And I think that is much more of a difficult thing. And I, I think it depends on the business, but a lot of times business owners are the people providing the service. And at the end of the day, people don't want your particular service. They want the result that your service gets. And I think for a lot of new business owners, they forget that. It's, it's what's, what is the customer's problem and what is their desired solution and outcome? And it's not how they get from that that problem to the outcome. They don't care how they get from A to B. They just care that they get to B. And too often, most business owners focus on that gap that's irrelevant. And that's why I think they create products that they think are great, but that don't actually solve the problem or don't actually provide the solution, or they can't properly explain to the customer how they're providing that solution. And so we we burn up a lot of capital. And that's the problem, I think, a lot of times. If you burn up all your capital, how are you going to have a chance to do it again? We're not like Uber. We can't raise VC money left and right, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you have setbacks, I mean, a lot of your drive and confidence can decrease and the momentum going forward decreases as well. So we want to like, we want to have wins straight out of the gate. What, you do. What what would you say, and you might've already answered it, but what would you say some of the biggest mistakes that new business owners make when they're starting out a business? Well, I think it's what you said. They don't test out their idea enough. I think that's a big part. I will tell you for me in real estate, one of the biggest mistakes I made was not starting, right? Mm. So as a kid, I knew how to do everything as far as repairing houses. So I could do electrical, plumbing, framing, um, roofing. I knew how to do everything. When I was in college, I sold real estate. So I knew the, the transactions of real estate as well. I didn't buy my first investment property till I was 45. And so that waiting part is the biggest thing. I think it's a lot harder to go from zero to one than it is to go from one to 100. And so I think people need to at least start trying, but but try and go with the idea of failing fast. So test the market. Don't put a ton of money into it until you're sure that it's going to work for you. Real estate, I think, is better because it, it is more of a sure bet in a sense that everybody knows that they need a house to live in. It's just the appropriate pricing. But there's so many ways in real estate to even make money without putting up your money up front. So that's how you can at least get started is, but go either partner with somebody, just get started and try some different things and understand in the beginning, 
failure is just part of the learning process. You're not failing. You're just learning. You're testing the market and seeing what works for you. There's so many different ways to make money in real estate and business, but you've got to find the one that matches your skill sets best and your personality. So I think part of it is also doing the internal deep dive. Who am I as a person? What are my unique skill sets? Where do I fit into a particular marketplace? And what's my best fit? Excellent. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I'm going to go, I'm going to get a little bit more technical here. Yeah. We're going to, going to dig deeper on uh, something that I think is important. And I know that this is an area that you specialize in. Now our CPAs and our accountants, they talk to us about a profit and loss or a balance sheet. Do you want to explain what these documents are, what their significance is, and what are the main things we should be looking out for? So all of those documents that you talk about are things that our accountants prepare. And Many of them are backward looking. So it takes a while for your accountant to prepare your profit and loss, your balance sheet, everything else. But a lot of it is historical. The other thing that you do want to know that's also important is cash flow projections looking forward. So some reports look backward, some reports look forward, and some reports are there kind of as a scorecard. So if we look at a balance sheet, a balance sheet is basically looking at what are my assets and what are my liabilities? So how much do I owe and how much do I own? A balance sheet is great for looking at in a in a timely fashion a few times a year so that you can you have a scorecard is my net worth growing and how is it growing and how fast is it grown over time so that's one that's good go ahead yeah what how often do you think we should check that should it be like monthly quarterly i think that's a question of how fast it's changing and how fast the delta is um your accountant, these things are all run on software. Like literally you can push a button and get a balance sheet. So depending on who your accountant is and the kind of relationship you have, if you want to look at it monthly, especially in you're in the growth stage, then you can look at it monthly. Um, if you're, if you're kind of on a steady growth pattern, then maybe quarterly or yearly, you're looking to say, Hey, are we hitting our, our growth metrics for that? More often, though, what we want to look at is profit and loss is basically saying, how much money are we making in our business and are we profitable? So that's something that you want to look at far more often. The nice thing about profit first is with that, you can look at your bank accounts constantly and see kind of your profit and loss levels pretty quickly because you'll see how much money is in the bank account. Most of your if you're, if you're working with an accountant, they're probably going to get you a report that's 45 days old in a sense. Like you've got to wait for the month to get over. Then you've got to wait for them to do all their stuff and send it to you. So it is giving you a historical picture, but you need to look at your profit and loss and you really need to dig into it. So let's say if I run a business and I, I sell five different products, you should know for each product, which one is the most profitable and how much time and effort goes into creating that profit. So even in real estate, right? You might own mobile home parks, you might own single family rentals, and you might own uh, another type of uh, uh, a real estate project. Well, what? how much profit do each of those types of businesses give you and which ones are most profitable? The reason you want to do that is where you see the most profit is where you should put your time and effort. So you may have to pivot. You may say, hey, this part of the business is far more profitable. Maybe I should put my assets, my time, and my efforts into that one. And so that one is, is most important. Cash flow, especially future cash flow, helps you to understand when you're going to hit a struggle. So as a business owner, let's say that I sell you something today. Well, just because I sell it to you today doesn't mean I'm getting paid today, right? It might be 30 days till I get paid. Some people are paid 60, 90, 180 days out, especially. So if I take example, if, if I'm flipping a house and I sell it today, in a sense, I get a contract today. I may not get that contract closed for 45 days, 
So I have to be able to still handle all my outgoing expenses during that time. So that's why it's important to know what your cash flow is. What are my upcoming expenses? Do I have money in the bank to pay them or am I going to hit a shortfall in the future? And you can you can project these things out for the entire year. And if you're working with a good accountant or somebody within your organization who does that, they should be able to look at it. And some businesses are very cyclical, right? Even real estate's a bit cyclical. But if you look at retail, maybe all of our business comes in October, November, December for Christmas time. So that's when all our revenue is coming in. So, you know, come January 1st, I'm sitting on all this money, but yet I have to cover the next nine months of expenses. So what does that look like? You can't just blow this big pot of money up front. You've got to sit down and say, how am I going to make this money last until the next round of money is coming in? And that's why cash flow becomes important. Like, it, especially in these times, all of a sudden, for a lot of business owners, cash flow stopped coming in. How are you going to handle these months? Do you have reserves? Can you weather a storm? And that's what cash flow really tells you is your ability to weather that storm. And on that note, because it is really a relevant topic right now, a lot of businesses slowed down, the economy slowed down, it's going to keep slowing down. This is really affecting especially a lot of uh, small business owners. And we we realize we definitely need reserves, not just business owners, us as like anybody who's working in a, in a normal career, a normal job, we need to have reserves. Um, for, for, for the normal person who has a W-2 career um, or for somebody who owns a small business, what would you say like the bare minimum amount of reserves we should have is in a comparison of like how many months should we be able to pay for our bills? Um, and then what would be uh, like an ideal scenario and what would be like the most reserves you'd want to have? What would you say? So. I think that's a very personal question, depending on how the person's assets are set up. But at bare minimum, we should all be able to at least survive 90 days. I think that's a bare minimum is how do I get through 90 days and forget about just um, what's going on in the market today. But let's just say I'm older if I had a heart attack. Or if you're younger and you fall and you break a leg and you're sidelined for 60 days, how are you going to survive that, that period of time? So life throws us curveballs all the time. So at bare minimum, I think 90 days is, is what you need. And on that one, on that one, how many business owners do you think are not even meeting that? Like how many people? People and business owners don't have cash set aside to do that. And here's the other problem, because I'm very big into the, the FIRE crowd, which is financial independence, retire early. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that crowd is very big into invest in the stock market, like 100% in the stock market. Well, look at what just happened, right? At the time you need your money, the, the assets that you're holding are plummeting in value. So now you've got to sell assets at a discount to raise cash, which means you've got to sell even, now you need 120 days because your, your 120 days is now only equal to 90 days. So having cash reserves, I think is important. The stronger your business, I know a lot of the people who use Profit First, they've got six months plus business reserves mm -hmm. in their accounts. There are ways to do this. It really depends on you, what your business looks like, how volatile it is. I mean, if you think about it, unfortunately, right now, a lot of people in the government are saying, don't pay your rent, right? What's going to happen if you don't get rent coming in for three months? How are you going to, to deal with that? That can dramatically affect your credit, which dramatically affects your ability to, to do something in the future. So you have a long-term hurdle with that. So I think the bigger the cash reserves you can build and the longer your runway, the more you can sleep at night. And I, I understand that the thing that people struggle with, with, with emergency funds and these reserve funds is that they're not growing. They're not making money. And the reality is, is they're not designed to grow. They're designed to keep you safe in times of turbulence. And the other thing is, if you do have large cash reserves, opportunities are going to come up. 
I don't know when, but at some point when the economy dives, you have great opportunity to make phenomenal profits in this market. So if you have the cash reserves, you're ready to roll. And if you if you think I'm nuts and this is this isn't the way to do business, look at Warren Buffett. I think Warren Buffett is sitting on I don't know how many hundreds of millions of dollars in cash waiting for opportunity. And he's going to find opportunity where he can swing for the fences and the fence is literally an inch off the ground because that's the climate. And that's what he does. He waits for massive opportunity. So that's one of the other things. You can build up these cash reserves so that when opportunities present themselves, you can swing for the fences and, and make killings where everyone else struggles. And you hear that all the time. You see these people, even seven-figure business owners, and an opportunity comes up and goes, hey, we've got this great opportunity. I need three guys to put in 100 grand, right? 300 grand, we can double our money in 90 days. Most business owners can't take advantage of that opportunity because they don't have the reserves and the ability to do that. And most likely from the scenario that you're saying, and look, you know, we're facing economic downturn right now and challenging times. This isn't going to, this isn't the first time. It's not going to be the last time. And it's not always this big. And sometimes it's smaller and sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's personal reasons for, for the, for the downturn in your business. Um, but these things are going to happen. We can guarantee that as business owners. And from what you're saying, uh, it's the people that don't have the cash reserves. They can't take care of themselves for, for very very long. They're the ones that end up, you know, being evicted or losing homes or losing businesses. And the ones who do have cash reserves and maybe have even a little bit more saved up when they know that like economical downturns like this are going to happen, they can come in and, and make um, a lot of opportunity out of all of the chaos. Well, think about it. If, if your business goes out of business today, right, and it's sitting there, whatever the shop is, 180 days from now, when things turn around, I can go to your landlord and go, hey, we'll take over this business. You've got all this essentially equipment at pennies on the dollar. You can turn in and, you know, walk in and, and just get rolling. Same thing. I mean, that's what happened in, in 2009. That's when real estate started to drop dramatically. There were phenomenal deals. Florida, Arizona, people picking up property at 20 cents on the dollar, 30 cents on the dollar. If you had the ability to walk in at that time, you made a killing. You made far more money in a couple of years than you could make in 10 or 20 years. And in these scenarios, uh, wealth doesn't disappear. You know, when people are losing wealth, that wealth is not disappearing. It's just transferring to other people who are better prepared and are in a better situation to be able to weather the storm and take advantage of things like this. So the better prepared we are, the more opportunities we can we can take advantage of. And and taking advantage of these opportunities also puts us in a in a position where we can provide massive value to people who just like had problems financially. So it's like a win-win-win cycle all the way around, but unless we're prepared, we can't do anything about it. That's true. And I think that's why diversifying assets is big. So maybe you have some in real estate, maybe you have some in your business, maybe you have some outside your business in, in brokerage accounts and in the stock market. Having different pots of money means that if one part of your life or one part of business gets disrupted, you have other parts to to take you through the storm. And we're all going to have storms. Life is full of storms. We seem to sometimes just think that we're not going to have storms. We all do. And you never know when and why. But if you're prepared and you're diversified, you have the ability to ride the storm better than the next guy. I totally agree. Diversification, diversification is key. Um, and, you know, something you said there made me think, well, like the examples that you were giving, some of those methods of income were active, active investing, where you're going out there and you've got your own business and you're creating deals and you're working on it. And then some other investments were passive investments where we're not really 
putting much active effort into it. Someone's managing those investments for us. And so we can always have like, you know, we can have almost unlimited amount of passive investments as long as we can fund it with, with um, the funds that it needs to pay for these investments up front. Um, and then we can only have like a certain amount of active investments because it takes our time to get involved in. And uh, a lot of people can just focus on one. But what if your active investment that you're working on that's bringing you tons of money in stops for some reason because i mean there's a million reasons right now that business could business businesses could stop um so i think it's important to be diversified not only through like asset classes and different types of ways of making money but on the passive side and on the active side as well so we can whoa my passive investments have really dropped i better crank up on the active side or vice versa it is it's nice to have different levers that you can pull and the ability to pivot and make changes. The people who can pivot fastest in these times are the ones who are going to survive, and they're going to get unduly large gains because they see opportunity, they have the ability to take advantage of opportunity, and they can go forward. And they're the ones who will have that ability to survive. Yeah, I totally agree. So we've talked about all some of the advantageous things that can happen as an entrepreneur and some things to look out as a business owner. Uh, I'm going to be like super blunt here, Rocky. Um, on your path to being a millionaire and creating a free lifestyle for yourself, what are some of the biggest fuck ups that you made along the way? So I think I told you one of them, which was I waited till I was 45 to, to, to sh take the shot on real estate. And that was a mistake. I mean, if you think about it, the amount of growth that I left on the table by not buying property in the 90s, I, I can never get that back because the amount of growth that came after that was phenomenal. So I lost out so much because I was afraid to take the first step and and get in and, and fail and try something. So that I think was was a major one. Uh, that goes to the compound interest curve. So well, I'll give you an example. So let, let's, it, it may be money, your listeners have heard this or not. But if I gave you a penny today and I, I doubled it and gave you two pennies tomorrow, and the next day I doubled it and gave you four pennies, how much money do you think you'd have at the end of 31 days? After 31 days? 31 days of me starting with one penny. Tomorrow I give you two. The next day I give you four. The day after that I give you eight pennies. The day after that I give you 16 pennies. The day after that I give you 32 pennies. And I do this for 31 days. How much money will I have given you? If I was uneducated on this, I would probably guess that it would be like in the hundreds of dollars or something like that or the thousands, but I believe it's actually up near a million, isn't it? It's it's close to $10 million. $10 million in 30 days? In 31 days. 31 days by doubling- 31. And the reason, it's, the reason I say 31, because at 30, it's 5 million. But 31 day, that 5 million doubles to 10 million. And that's what people don't realize. The little things at the beginning have massive, massive effects at the end. But you can't get the massive effect at the end if you don't do the little things at the beginning. And so that applies to every part of life, whether it's how much you weigh, how much you learn, how fast your business grows. If you don't start, you miss the end. And so that I think that was my biggest thing with real estate. I missed out on a lot of growth. The other big thing I did was 2009, we went through a significant financial panic and I panicked. I don't think people realize when you open up your statements and you see your money just dropping, dropping, dropping in the stock market, how much it literally sets off that flight, you know, the fear of flight type of thing in your mm -hmm. brain. You've got to really understand your emotions and how you're going to react. And I didn't have good advisors at that point around me to, to give me better advice, to say, hey, ride the storm, you'll do better. So that cost me money as well. We all make mistakes. I mean, those two mistakes cost me millions of dollars. But in spite of that, I still have millions of dollars. So it's okay, <laughs> right? We can do those types of things. And sometimes you have to learn so that it builds you to be a stronger person.
And, and that's what I learned to be stronger because of those. And you have a choice. You can either learn from my stupidity or you can learn from your stupidity. I, I'm really good about telling people about all the dumb things I did because then they don't have to go through the struggle of learning. They just have to be smart enough to listen. And and that's the thing. Like there's most likely for most of us out there looking to make more money, to become wealthy, to become successful in something. For the most part, there's going to be somebody else there who's already pioneered it. They've already done it. They've already gone through all of the mistakes. They've already had the pitfalls. They already know how to make the quickest, easiest profits. So you're best off like teaming up with people like that. So you can piggyback it piggyback their success, ride their tailcoat and, until you're very comfortable with all of the, avoiding all of the pitfalls and maximizing the profits as well. Um, and that's something that a lot of people like, oh, I don't want to like give money to a mentor or, you know, oh, you know, I don't want to read books. I just want to get into it. It's like, you got to get educated. Don't stop that from you getting started. Get in there and start straight away. But like, you know, have someone looking over your shoulder too. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I think that my biggest mindset shift was if you can buy a book for $20 that's got somebody's lifetime of experience in it, it's a no-brainer investment. Like, I, I have hundreds of books. I, Depending on the time, like, my minimum goal was to read two books a month. And I think the last few months, I was up to seven books a month before all of this stuff came and threw me off kilter. Mm -hmm. But the amount of knowledge that you can get for next to nothing is beyond belief. So reading is the number. If you can't do anything else, if you don't have a lot of money, go borrow a book, get it from the library, you know, go to a used bookstore, get on Amazon. That is your fastest, quickest way. And Try and find the best books that are out there for that particular topic. And sometimes you have to go through a bunch of them. I've read hundreds of books and each one takes me closer and closer. And there are some books that I read over and over again um, because every time you read them, you get something else out of them. And so it's constantly doing that. Actually, this is one that I read all the time. This is called A Manual for Living. It's Epictetus. It's uh, Stoic philosophy. So it was written 2,000 years ago. And every day I read this, I go, how is it that these people 2,000 years ago <laughs> knew what I'm going through today and how I should be today? So when you can get good books and even old books, and I just, I, I never stop reading that book because every day... I see it through a different light because as I'm improving, I need to get better and better books and I need to reevaluate the information that I'm doing. And Absolutely. then the second thing is coaching. Coaching will take you there even so much faster. That was one of the, the biggest struggles I had was I read the book. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I couldn't figure out how to implement it. Had I paid for a coach and said, came, sat down and said, okay, do this, this, and this. I would have saved so much time and I could have made so much more money. So, you know, it's all a figure it out for yourself. Yeah. And for our freedom hackers out there, you know, Rocky just brought up um, a coach, you know, and I'd like to delineate the difference between a mentor and a coach. A mentor is someone who's going to give you information and tell you how to do something. The coach is going to be the one that ho holds you accountable for it and like gets you across the finish line. So sometimes people can double up and they can be a mentor and a coach. Um, but a lot of people get that confused, you know, just because you've got someone telling you what to do or information is fantastic. But unless you apply that information, you're not going to be successful. So coaches are, are super important. But I want to go back real quickly because we're talking about books. I love reading books. I do book reviews here on Freedom Hack Radio. What would you say that the three most important books are for someone starting out, um, really wanting to crush it and be successful? So my favorite book, and I make all my clients go through this, is called Living Forward. It's by Michael Hyatt. And it's basically, it's a proven plan to stop drifting and get what you want in life. And I like that book because once you know what you want in life and you define it, so we talked about at the beginning, what does your health look like? What is for you? What does optimal health look like? What does your optimal relationships look like? 
what does your spirituality look like? What does your wealth look like? What does your work look like? To sit down and spend the time and to create a document for your life and say, this is what I want in life. This is my target. This is what I'm going to go after. I think that's phenomenal. This has been the best resource I've been able to find to help you create that plan for yourself. So the book takes you through the whole thing. For those of you who think I'm nuts and this isn't important, this is no reason. There's a book by Napoleon Hill called Outwitting the Devil. And he wrote this book in the 1930s. His family would not let him release it. It actually didn't come out until about 2011 or 12 or sometime. It was too controversial, right? What's that? It was too controversial, right? Too controversial. Yeah. And basically the premise of the book is the devil wins when you're in the drift. And, And it literally shows you how throughout society, all of society essentially from religion to schools to government to work is putting you in the drift. And so you've got to kind of have that awareness. Hey, wait a minute. This is why I'm stuck. Oh my God, I didn't realize that. So I think that's another great book. Um, And then, you know, for a third book, I really depends on who you are, what you want, but whatever it is that you want to work on, go find the best book in that particular area. Um, For health, Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Body, great. Um, For understanding balance sheets and how to evaluate companies, there's a book on how Warren Buffett evaluates companies. I think that's a great book. So what's the area that you want to improve Who's got a really good, like who's, if you go ask 10 people for a book in that topic, a certain book is going to pop up all the, all the time. And so finding that best book for whatever it is you need to learn next. And for everybody watching this and listening to this right now at the, at the bottom of the YouTube uh, video that I'm going to have links for all of these books as well so that you guys can easily access them. So Rocky, tell us how understanding financials and paying ourselves first and everything that we've been talking about translates into living free. So as we talked about, money is just one piece of the puzzle. But what it is essentially what money is, is fuel. And it gives you the ability to do all those other areas, right? If I have money, I can I can throw dinner parties and have my friends come over, right? If I have money, I can travel the world and see things. If I have money, I can give and donate to make society better. If I have money, I can invest it to create businesses and do the things that I love. So it's a tool and we need to learn how to use it, but it's the tool that gives us the leverage into all the other parts of life. And it makes it much, much easier for us. You don't have to have that tool, but the the more you have of that tool, the easier everything else becomes, I think. Absolutely. And the, and the better everything else comes, right? So if you can like pay for um, good health and buy good food and, and go to the gym and pay for your gym membership or whatever, or you can pay for um, you, you're going out on dates and you want to go to that nice restaurant and have the nice clothes or whatever to win the person that you're courting, like all of these things play off each other. And so I think some people, especially if they're coming from a spiritual perspective, will go, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. Well, that's actually not even true. And that's not what even is said. The love of money is the root of all evil, which is a very different perspective. If you're focused on the love of money, not the freedom that money can create for you, then you're, you're going down the wrong path. And, and that is true. Um, but the world that we live in, the more money we make, the more we can help people, the more we can do the things that we want to do and make a change in the world. And, um, and, and it goes the same with the other areas that you were talking about, health, relationships, um, spirituality, the deeper we are, the stronger we are, the more we're growing in these areas, the better we're going to be in all the other areas of our life. And uh, I really just think it's so important. So on the topic of freedom, Rocky, what does living free look like for you? And what's your ultimate freedom lifestyle? So for me, I think ultimate freedom is time freedom, the ability to have the time to do what I want when I want without some sort of obligation. 
in so for me, I don't have to get up in the morning and go to work, right? I have the freedom to do that. If I want to get together with friends, I have the time freedom to do that. So for me, having the time to do what I want and be intentional about it, I think that is the biggest thing because we can buy mostly everything we want, right? If I want better health, I can buy better food. I can pay for a coach to come coach me. I I can buy all of these types of things. What I can't really buy back is time. Sure, I can buy time. In other words, I can pay somebody to clean my house, which gives me more time. But once time goes by, we can never get it back. And so I think that's the one asset that we give away too freely in our lives. We don't value it enough. And we, when we value it is when we become older, right? Or when you start all of a sudden, you get an unfortunate reality that you realize there's not much left for you. And that's when all of a sudden we start to appreciate it when, when it's taken away from us. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody on their deathbed that said, man, I wish I made more money and worked more. They're always like, oh, man, I wish I spent more time with my wife or like my kids or like, you know, I wish I spent more time doing the things I love. It's, it's always something along those lines, isn't it? It's not working. <laughs> People are not it's like, not- hey, man, I wish I worked more. <laughs> no, it's time. And I mean, I, I had the time where literally, you know, I had the ability to be with my kids, to have dinner with my kids, to be at all of their events. And that was important to me. And so I think managing your time is very, very important. I have, we have a saying in our house, if it's not on dad's calendar, it doesn't exist. So we use, you know, Google calendars, shared invites. And so I plan out my week. I know what I have to do and when I have to do it. And we keep, so people think, oh, he's got that calendar. Oh, he's, he's, he's optimizing every minute. No, I keep a lot of margin time in my life. I make sure that there's tremendous margins between activities so that I don't have to run from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. My automated calendar automatically blocks out margin. So if I have something ending at 12, you can't book me till 1230 right? It gives me that margin. And then at the other end, if it's a one hour appointment at one it puts margin on the other side saying, we well, can't have something right after that so that you have the time in between things to, to enjoy and to savor. And it's wonderful. So it sounds to me like the success formula that you're using in business and that you're teaching business owners to use in business, you're also using in your life to gain profit of time. It's like you want to get your time, you lock in your time first, and then you're like, cool, this is how much time I've got left over. Now I've blocked out the time that I want to do the things I want in life. Now how much time do I have to spend on business and and, and the other things, right? Is that what you're doing? Absolutely. I mean, in some senses, yeah. I mean, I block out the different things. I have certain things to get done. And so if I have two or three big things to get done this week, I will put those items in my calendar so that I have the time to get done my big rocks. Mm -hmm. And then all the other stuff usually doesn't matter. You know, that's a big time management thing. And I don't know, have you ever heard the story of, of, filling the jar with the rocks and the sand and the pebbles and all of that. Yeah. I think you should digress on that right now. That'd be valuable. So this is, and you can Google this and find it, but basically what they did is they take this large pickle jar. It's probably like a one gallon jar and you've got to fill the jar and you've got some different things. So you've got these large rocks that have to go in the jar. You have some medium rocks that have to go in the jar. You have some pebbles, you have some sand, and then you have water. And here's the thing. If you don't start with your big rocks and put them in first, nothing else will fit. But if you put the big rocks in first, then you put in the next size of rocks in there, and then you put in the pebbles, and then think about it. You've got all these rocks in here. Well, the sand is going to find its way into that, right? It'll find its way into the nooks and crannies. The same thing, the water will find its way and flow to what's there. In your life, the water and the sand are emails, TV, you know, irrelevant things that don't really matter. 
<laughs> you know, the, they're the useless things. What are the big rocks in your life? So it comes back forward, right? I said, create your life plan. As part of your life plan, you're telling yourself, these are my big rocks. So my clients, like a lot of times they'll come to me and they're like, you know, I spent my whole day on business and I don't understand this because it's my eighth rock. It's the eighth thing on my list. I, I had these things as number one, two, and three. I'm I'm going to start focusing those first, getting those big things done because everything else will get done eventually. And the one rock that you can always drop that will bounce back is work, right? You drop your relationships. They don't bounce back. They're bruised. Mm -hmm. You know, you drop time. It's gone. You drop your health. You can't get it back. It's bruised, but you drop your work. It'll come back. It'll bounce like you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. So being intentional, I get my big rocks done first and then everything else. Yeah, it gets to it whenever. Because it's not as important, right? It's the big rocks that are going to be the things that are going to make the difference that you're critical inch for the day. And uh, I've used that principle. I use that principle in my businesses. And I I would not choose any more than six big rocks a day. Um, usually it's around about three big rocks with a maximum of six. Sometimes we can get in there and we can sneak in there and go, hey, I've got like 12 big rocks that I needed to do today. They're not 12 big rocks, you know, they're most likely medium rocks or pebbles in there. And only a few of them are big rocks, right? It is. I think for most people, three is a good number. It's not overwhelming. And that's the other thing is do your big rocks first, because if you sit there and you think about your big rocks for half the day, you'll spend your mind on just be spinning and spinning over the, the, not wanting to do the big rocks. And that's the problem. Sometimes our big rocks are not things we want to do, mm -hmm. but if, you know, like exercise, you know, I don't, most people don't go, I want to get up and go exercise. You know, exercise is a big rock for me. It's on my calendar. It's a non-negotiable. I roll out of bed. I go to the gym, right? It's done. Now I don't have to think about it. And it, from, I, I already accomplished one thing today. Then I accomplished two, you know, you start hitting two things you know, you're ready for the third because you've already accomplished two things. So it's kind of building on wins, right? You start having wins, you, you, you build the momentum for more wins. But if you let it all sit, then the day goes by and nothing gets done. I agree, mate. I agree. And that's a huge mistake that a lot of uh, new business owners make. Um, and, and even people not even looking from a business perspective. It's just like people wanting to make improvements in their relationships or health. Um, very, very key principle. So talking about things that we can do each day, Rocky, do you have any daily rituals there or pastimes that you do each day that really boost you to grow and succeed and, and find fulfillment and freedom in life? So we talked about one. I, I exercise five days a week. It's on my calendar. It's a, it's a rock solid appointment, number one. So that's for health. Um, and that's physical health. And then Two, I have a mental health routine. So I talk about, you know, every day I read a little bit from that book and then I read uh, and I listen to religious stuff every day. And then I also spend time meditating, just sitting quietly without all the noise, right? How often do we just get to sit, turn everything off and just spend a few minutes of thinking? So I try and do that at least every day. Um I read a lot. So that's another habit. So constantly improving myself. That habit is probably not as, as well done as it should be. Or I should say what's happened is, is because of our disruption right now, I'm out of that whole routine. So my reading routine's gotten whack because a lot of times I listen to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. So I can go to the gym, I can listen to my audiobook, I can crank through stuff. That's kind of gotten a little out of whack. So I, I, I'm working on getting that back in. But those are some of the big ones for me, and they're the most important, you know, taking care of my body and my mind. Awesome. And then, of course, always gratitude, right? Being thankful for the things we have. I, am, I have gratitude for hot water in the morning. <laughs> hot water in the morning. That's beautiful. Sometimes it's just really simple things, man. Well, what else has got you in tons of gratitude today? Is there anything in particular? For gratitude today, you know, we're all home. My family is safe and sound. So I'm, I'm thankful that we're all here. 
we have the financial resources to weather this storm. I sleep at night. I know it'll be okay. So I'm thankful for that. Um, I think those are some of the big things that, that I have gratitude for. I'm thankful to be here talking with you, right? We're having a wonderful conversation and hopefully we're helping a lot of people make a small shift in their life and making themselves a little bit better. So that's always fun. Absolutely. Because, and I have a lot of gratitude for that too, because you and I share a thing together is that we, we both have freedom in our lives. We've created these awesome things and, and we're both committed to passing that on to other people so other people can experience it. Because you mentioned you didn't get started till you were 45. I didn't get started until I was in my early thirties and boy, oh boy, is life different now that we've made these changes and shifts in our life. And I want everybody out there to have that same experience and i know you do too and on that note um just before we wrap it up here what's one of the greatest pieces of advice you could offer for someone on their path to freedom take the first step just go it's not going to be perfect it's going to be ugly you might fail but understand that failure is nothing more than learning just just go start because as you just said, right, you started in your 30s. I started much later. Like, take that first step. Just do it. And just understand, as you take that first step, don't have any expectation of the outcome, right? I'm not starting a million-dollar business. I'm not, I'm not doing all of that. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to talk to five people, and I'm going to say, hey, if I created this product, are you willing to buy it today? Or if I did this, are you willing to take action? Just just throw an idea out and see if people say to you, yeah, here's here's a hundred dollars. Go build it for me. And it doesn't have to be big, but just just go. Take the first step, try something. Um, and and even in health, you can do that, right? Just go to the gym. I don't even care if you use a piece of equipment. Just go to the gym every day for the next 30 days. Well, once they open up again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, go to the gym. Even if just, just, just try one little thing and you would be surprised how it just compounds over time and it, and it, and ask for help. If you're struggling, ask for help. The internet's full of help. Just make sure you're getting help from the right people. You know, I always say, don't get diet exercise from a fat guy, right? Don't take money advice from a poor guy. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's where so many people, um, they don't get that. You know, it's like if I'm going to be getting a coach for fitness, he better damn well be way better shape than me. Um, Because otherwise, how am I going to grow? So that's awesome. You know, I tell you what, Rocky, can't thank you enough for today. You've provided tons of value. It's been an awesome conversation. Uh, But before we go, um, how do people get in touch with you? So uh, there's two places that you can find me. If you like to listen to podcasts, my podcast is called Richer Soul. And that's where I focus on all these other parts of life that we've been talking about today. If you're a business owner and you want to implement Profit First, then you can find me at ProfitComesFirst.com. And when you go there, you can get uh, the first two chapters of Mike uh, Michalowicz's book for free. If you don't want to read a book and you just want to take action, there's a link you can just get on my calendar. And we can chat. And I, I don't believe in hard sales because I don't want to drag you up the mountain. I want people who are going to run with me. So we'll chat. We'll see if it's a good fit. If you're a good fit for me and I'm a good fit for you, let's go. Let's have fun. Beautiful. And for all of you listening and watching right now, uh, there's going to be links at the bottom of this video. So I'll have all of the links so that you can contact uh, with Rocky and keep that conversation going. Mate, I can't thank you enough. Um, Thank you very much for providing massive value for everybody else out there watching on YouTube or listening, you know, subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Freedom Hack Radio. Give a thumbs up. Uh, let people know. You know, the more people that we can put the word out there to, the more people we can help. And you know, Rocky and I, and all of our guests that come on this show, we're super committed to you guys living a freedom lifestyle. We live a freedom lifestyle, and we totally want it for you because you downright bloody deserve it. So thank you very much, and I will tune in with you guys next week. Thank you for having me.